Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Desperate House Witches. I'm Raina Sparsa. You don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This is not the show for you. But you know that's why you tune in, my desperados. I know you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. That's www.wickedwitchstudios for all of your witching needs. Oh, my goodness, what a week it has been, my darlings. But before I bring on my guests, I want to remind everybody that I will be speaking at Mystic South. July 14th through 16th in beautiful Atlanta at the Crown Plaza at Ravinia. So check it out. Get your room booked. And if you're local, get your tickets. Do it. I'm expecting to see everybody there at Mystic South. It's going to be a great conference. Speaking of Mystic South, my guest today is also going to be at Mystic South. You know him. You love him. He is a writer. He is a blogger. He is fantastic. He has written Paganism, Paganism in Depth. So he's a, a Llewellyn author, and he is also a blogger on Pathios, the amazing John Beckett. Hello, my friend. Wow, it's going to be hard to live up to wow. all that. Yeah, you'll manage. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been, Good to be it's here. It's been such a long time since we spoke. It's, it's, been, it's been a year. <laughs> it it has it has well it's it's been it's been busy so uh you know i've been uh i've been blogging and teaching classes and uh you know trying to keep uh trying to keep going on the painting job for a couple more years and um yep. uh, you know things have been things have been busy but uh generally good yeah that's good so john you're also speaking at mystic south uh tell the folks what you're going to be talking about there well, I have two presentations, and they're both going to be on Friday. Um, the first one is a brand new presentation for this year. It's called uh, it's called Magic Difficult Times. And mm-hmm. if you're fam- uh, if you're familiar with um, um, Hunter S. Thompson, the Gonzo journalist, he famously said, "When the going gets weird, the weird turn pro." And our world has gotten so weird over the past several years, and it's um, um, it's time to turn pro. And and by that I don't mean how you make a living. I mean how seriously we take our 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 spiritual practice and especially our magical practice, because um, you know the world is is getting more complicated. But we have tools other people don't. We have Tools that, well, 
other people choose to ignore, choose to pretend don't exist, and and we need to learn to use those tools to our full advantage. So this this first presentation is going to look at some concepts and strategies and practice that help us use our magic to protect ourselves and, and also to build meaningful and happy lives. And then in the afternoon, I'm going to do a presentation uh, titled Exercising Toxic Religion from Your Soul. And this is a, uh, yeah. So as people who've read my blog for very long know, I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian church, and it really messed me up. And it took me a long time to to work through that, to exercise the tentacles of that toxic religion from my soul. You know, I stopped accepting what they settled for you know, at a very early age, but you know, when you're told something over and over again, particularly when you're a child, that stays with you. It doesn't just go away. There are ways that we can exercise our soul from our mind, from our psyche. And this is this is what this is how I this is how I did it. Um it's it's not a ritual. Um it's not therapy. If you need therapy, go find therapy. I'm a druid, not a not a not a psychologist, but it is a process that I have used and have helped others to use to put the toxic religion behind us and move on into the religion, into the spirituality, and the magic that we're called to follow, that we want to follow. Interesting. So let me ask you this, John. The, the the tools that you use and that you will be teaching in this presentation when you do it at Mystic Cell, um, is this also something that can be used, the toxic scripts that we are given as children, not just from a, a, a religious standpoint, but just from some of the poison things that we're, some of us are told as children, especially those of us who were abused children. It certainly can. And again, I want to emphasize this is not therapy. This is no substitute for therapy. But it, it, right. it can help you do the spiritual things that you need that will supercharge your therapy and um, and really help you. Um, you know, what I like to tell people is the, the, the only cure for a bad experience is a good experience. You can't erase what happened. You can't, you can't undo what happened. What you can right. do is to replace that. You, you can replace those bad experiences. You can crowd out those bad experiences with good experiences. And that, again, that for me has made all the difference in the world. No, I think that would be very helpful for a lot of us because a lot of us who wind up at the door of paganism and witchcraft and and the various options, um, you know, I think a lot of us are looking for empowerment where empowerment or power was taken away from us, especially through indoctrination during childhood. So I think this sounds very intriguing and I think could be beneficial. Again, not this is not traditional therapy. John does not claim to be any kind of therapist, however, you know, uh, but these are just tools 
that folks might find helpful. I want to reemphasize that. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to hearing more about that. I'm, um, I did this one at Austin Witch Fest back in uh, March, and it seemed to go over very well. So I've got a couple of tweaks based on some feedback I got after that, but uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about talking about this again because it's something that's, that's um, important to me. Absolutely. No, I think it's wonderful, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, John, you wanted to talk today about high magic. Uh, and the era of high magic. What exactly does that mean? So, so when when a lot of people in the pagan and magical community talk about high magic, they're talking about ceremonial magic, uh, grimoire magic. That's not what this is. When I say we're living in an era of high magic, I'm talking. I'm saying we're living in an era of high magical intensity. Um, where there's a lot of magic in the air, a lot of magic in the environment. Um, there's there's more. There are there are more people working magic today than ever before in the history of humanity, and we can say that simply because look at the population. If you look at how right. the population has grown, particularly since the beginning of the 20th century, you don't have to your, – your concentration of magical practitioners doesn't have to grow at all. Just if it stays the same, then more people are doing more magic. That more magic out in there. So, so um, the, what I like, I like to call the currents of magic, the, 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 um, the natural flow of magic through the world, through the universe – that seems to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And so um, um, this, is a, this is a golden time for magic and witchcraft. Um, people talk about golden ages always in the past. And yeah. there, we, we have this idea that we're living in an era of disenchantment. And, and there used to be a time when when people talked to the fairies and witches lived in, in the forest and, and magic was real, but, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, um, the guy by the name of Jason Josephson Storm, who's an um, um, anthropologist, and he wrote a book a few years ago titled The Myth of Disenchantment, and he showed pretty conclusively that this happens in every generation. Every generation whines about oh, the magic is gone, and then their magical experiences become the golden age for the future generation. And he chases that all the way back to Chaucer in the 13th century. So um, um, this is a, this, we, we're not living in an era of disenchantment. We're, we're living in a very enchanted age. Books whose mere possession could have got you burned at the stake 400 years ago are now delivered to your doorstep in a matter of days, translated into English. Um, you know, if you're looking for, you know, if you're you're looking for a magical teacher, you know, some of my uh, um, some of the people even just a bit older than me who um, who 
you talked about how hard it was to find a magical teacher in the in the fifties and sixties. Um, you want a magical teacher? Um, go on the internet. You're going to find somebody. Either people, somebody like me who teaches remotely, or um, somebody who um, uh, who's teaching in person. Now, you may not find a teacher in every tradition, you know, you know, two miles from your house, but instruction is available. Magical groups are available. Um, this is the golden age of magic and witchcraft, and it's a great time to be practicing, and let's let's take advantage of this. Yeah, but you have to understand, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's such a a great time. And and I think the idea of disenchantment is coming from outside sources, of course, as it usually does uh, when it's affecting a large group. And I think the inherent fear of how the country has changed uh, seems to have a very heavy burden on those of us who are practitioners because we're it feels like we're trying to tackle a lot of things politically, for example, because that is affecting everything around us. What are your thoughts about um, how to use magic to combat the negativity and the fear? Because the fear, you know, you just mentioned the fact that the books we had wanted uh, that we couldn't get our hands on, now we can have delivered to our door. But in places, for example, like Florida, where they're trying to eliminate such books. Um, you know, are, are we fearful because it seems like we're reverting backwards, or does it, is it that we're fearful because we're afraid that we don't have any control to change the, out, the potential outcome? What are your thoughts on that? We're fearful because we have, again, again, people, and I think you and I are about the same age, um, We've lived in an era of amazing progress with the uh, with the civil rights movement and the women's movement and the the, uh, the 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 push for LGBTQ rights, and we we just we assumed that this was progress and we were just going to keep going onward, you know, onward and upward, and well, yeah. um, and and it, 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 history says that ne- it never works that way. Um, history says it's two steps, two steps forward and one step back, and sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back. And the, you know, I, I, I will be honest. I have I have misread the I have misread the 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 reaction to progress. I thought we were much further along than we were, and uh, um, a couple of my gay friends have said, "Oh no." Oh no, you don't see what we see, and um, and now I'm seeing what they see. Um, though certainly not to that extent. Um, yeah, there are people who want to take the country back to the 1950s, if not back to the 18th. So it makes us more fearful. At the same time, um, you know. Um, Peter Gray said that the, you know, witchcraft is the recourse of the dispossessed. Um, and then um, after the yeah after uh, after the Dobbs ruling last year, Heather Green had a had a column that said 
how to make a how to make a million witches with one court decision. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> witchcraft yeah. and you know why would if why would you bother with why would you bother with magic if you can get something with ordinary means? Um, like I said, if you, if you want a hamburger, you can summon summon a demon and try to get him to bring it to you. But it's a lot simpler to just go drive through McDonald's. Um, magic is the tool. Magic, magic is, is the tool of the people who who are powerless, who are de- not powerless. People who are deprived of means of ordinary power. Right. So, um, magic's the tool of people who are deprived of ordinary powers. And so now is the oh. you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I have somebody calling in on my line. Um this is the time the to be practicing weird. more. This is the time to be yeah, practicing I mean, our magic. Now, you asked the question, what yeah. can we do? Um, right. I have, found, I have found that big spells to do major political workings are not particularly effective. Right. You're trying you're – try, you're, it's like working magic against a hurricane. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can be the most powerful witch in the state, but that hurricane is more powerful than you are. Um, yeah. you know, Seventy million people are more powerful than, than than a handful of witches. What magic can do very reliably, though, is to help each of us navigate life where we are, to protect ourselves and our families, to maintain our spiritual practice and keep our connections to our gods and our ancestors and and the spirits around us who support us um, to help make sure that we we bring in the things that we need that we connect with the people that we need to so we can live good lives uh, in spite of the Ron DeSantis's of the world See, normally what I hear from folks is there's and and no problem on this, but there's a lot of folks who like to try to work in big groups. My problem in doing stuff in big groups is that I sometimes find that energy is scattered and people have different outcomes that they are envisioning. And when you have folks with different goals in mind, even though they may appear to be for the same end, I find that the magic is not as stable as when you're focusing on a common thing together with the same step. Um, It does, I mean, and I think magic in numbers is great when it is focused correctly. Me, my mind tends to wander, and when I think about magic in a political arena, I think my approach mentally has been wrong because my mental approach is to want to affect the outcome for like the entire country but what you're saying has a lot of wisdom 
and to refocus it on just your immediate surroundings and, and the things you can protect is such a smarter use of my energy. And if I do that and everyone else does that and we as, as pagans and witches, you know, take care of our own quote-unquote, the rest of it will take care of it. Is that pretty much, am I getting it? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um the, the, the big magical, the big group magical workings, that I don't even call them a group, the mass, mass magical workings, um, your, your, your energies are simply so, they're, they're, they're so diverse, they're, they're going toward different targets. Um, and also, you've got a lot of people working against you. Um, you know, 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. Um, there's yeah. a lot of energy toward those type of goals, those type of things. They may not be explicitly magical, but energy is energy. Right. Um, and, there, and there are some people who are working magic because they, they firmly believe that the country needs, needs a good, strong, fascist leader. Um, I think we outnumber them, but uh, you know, we don't outnumber the total number of people who are putting energy toward these goals so so no it you're again it's like trying to work magic to to um change a hurricane um yeah go for it makes you feel good give it a try but uh you know don't skip on your evacuation plans um get out of the mm-hmm. hurricane's way so yeah the but where you can put your magical energies, your magical efforts, your spiritual practices, your prayers, your devotions, your offerings towards something very narrowly defined, you have a much, much, much better chance of seeing that manifest in the ordinary world. Brilliant. Brilliant. Because I think a lot of us are just so concerned. You know, when you look at things that have changed, as far as Roe v. Wade and erosion of other rights and, and you know, police brutality is on a, on a rise. And, I mean, all of these things are happening and there's more violence. You know, I remember when it was shocking to have a mass shooting. Now we have them constantly. And it's like, oh, there's another one. This is not normal. And I think we're so adaptable as people that we keep normalizing the next worst thing. Um, but if we, if we stop focusing on trying to control that and trying to protect, just, you know, protect everything you can reach um, in a reasonable, narrowly focused and concentrated way, you ha- stand a much better chance if we all do that um, again of, of affecting change so that we're insulated and your loved ones are insulated. Oh, it's such a smarter use of energy. Because I tend to get freaked out, John. I really do. Uh, as my friend, the pagan pundit, will tell anyone, Raina tends to get very nervous. He's constantly talking me off the political ledge um, because, you know, I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to die with things being worse than when I got here. Although Roe v. Wade wasn't even a law at that at that time, I mean that I wasn't but 12 years old, 13 years old before Roe v. Wade became the law of the land. So 
you know, I just, I yes, I do have this fear of things seemingly going backwards, um, but I guess it's cyclical, isn't it? It is. Um, it is cyclical, uh, not in any sort of, not any sort of astrological cycles type of way, but just in a way that. Um, um, People have an people have people have an idea about the way things ought to be, and the more you disrupt mm-hmm. that, the the more upset they get. And um, there are there are there are people who can't ha- who simply can't handle changes that we've seen over the last fifty years. And then there's and then there's of course people who are just hate filled bigots. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to excuse I don't want to excuse bigotry. Because I know too many people who are way older than me who um, who are as welcoming to um, you know to to all all forms of diversity. So um, right. uh, you don't, you don't get a pass because you're old. Um, right. But I do understand I do understand that that, that you know, from a sociological standpoint these things happen. Um, the good news is. Um, they are. It tends to, the, the the regressive, um, the regressive political ideas tend to be concentrated in the older generations, and as they die off, they're replaced with people with more with more inclusive, more progressive ideas. So, so I like the odd long term. I don't like our odd short term. Agreed. I agree with you. Um, but that makes it even more important to be able to affect change where you can, which is in your own home, your own immediate surroundings, and the people you care for. Yeah, I, I could be spending um, my energy a lot better uh, focusing on the things that I actually can affect instead of worrying about the things that I can't. Okay, this is uh, – you are – you know, this is this is a problem for me, and I, I will freely admit it. I don't like the way the way things are going. Now, I live in Texas, which is, um, you know, Texas and Florida are having a uh, having a contest to see who can uh, um, uh, who can be the most uh, uh, regressive, hate-filled filled state uh, in the country. And I'm, you know, I've been here since 2001, and I always assumed that I would just I'd just live out the rest of my life here. But, um, you know, I could deal with the George W. Bush Republicans who were right. – who were, I didn't like them. I didn't vote for them. But, um, right. but they were you – know, as, as long as you keep business happy, they were happy. Um, but these culture warriors, they're bad for my blood pressure. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm looking at leaving Texas after I retire in a few years. Um, Interesting. Just, just for my own mental health. So, uh, you know, people got to do what they got to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, that you're talking about an age of Republicans where they were, you know, we may have disagreed on a lot of things philosophically, but it was a reasonable disagreement. It wasn't the making up of new facts to replace actual facts. It was a very yes. different type of Republican party. When you start longing for the days of George W. Bush, um, having gone through the years of Trump, 
that that told me a lot because my husband and I used to sit and say, oh, remember the days of George W. Bush? <laughs> Those were good days compared to now, um, at, you know, in, during the Trump era. So, yeah, I mean, everything is relative, you know. I, I don't mind disagreeing philosophically if your disagreement is within normal parameters but the minute you, you know, and my mother is one of these fundamentalists, so I, I know what you're talking about as far as how you were raised. I was raised pretty much the same way. My mother had started out as a pagan and then, because of my father, converted and gave up paganism. Mm. Um, oh. Yeah, it's very, it's usually, the switch is usually the other way around, I know. But my family, everybody's insane. So, yeah. But... <laughs> You know, when you become a fundamentalist, not only do you drink the Kool-Aid, if you're like my mother, you help them stir the Kool-Aid. And when someone tells you that facts don't matter, because I've had a conversation with my mother um, trying to get her to explain to me all of the fabulous things Trump did, and she came up with nothing, and she's like, well, that doesn't matter. And And I said, but here are facts. And she's like, well, the facts don't matter. When someone tells you facts don't matter, that conversation has ended. There is nowhere to go. No, it's all about it's all about affirming. He hates the same people they hate. Yeah. Um, he he affirms Terrifying. he affirms their he affirms their prejudices. Um, he promises to make he's he's the strong man who's going to make everything better. Um, only he can fix it. And the fact that he's yeah. shown time and time again he's only in it for himself um, is, is is irrelevant. They've completely drank the Kool Aid. But you know what are we going to do? Um, we're we're right. we're going to be good citizens, good engaged citizens, and vote in every election. Yeah. Um, Correct. Especially vote in the primaries. That's the reason why we have such bad candidates, particularly on the Republican side, is that. That only a ha- tiny handful of people vote in the primaries, and it's all the wingnuts who do it. Texas is an open primary state, and um, unless there's a, and a really important race on the Democratic side, I vote in the Republican primary so I can vote for lesser evil. Um, right. Because as bad as, bad as the people who get elected are, there's some out there who are worse. So um, True. Vote, in, vote in every election. Um, make contributions where you can. Uh, if you're able to run for office, go for it. Um, but then put your magic into taking care of you and yours because that's where it will be the most effective. So glad you said that. And I'm so glad you have also encouraged people to vote in every election. It's something I harp on quite often. So thank you for reinforcing that fact. Every election, every race, especially school boards. Yeah. Um, I spent a couple hours. We had a we had a school board race here locally uh, a couple months ago, and I spent a, two hours trying to um, uh, trying to figure out okay who's the who's the honest Republican and who's the Trumper, um, and we we kept the Trumpers out of office. Fortunately, that's great. That's great. But you know what? 
I, I think the, the Trumpers at some point might wind up getting smarter about their, their tack because as we've seen so far, um, these people don't know when to shut up. They're their own worst enemy. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost laughable if it wasn't so frightening. But it is frightening, and that's just the truth of it. But, yes, school board is how they first get into office. You're wondering yep. how DeSantis got to the rise of power that he's at right now. These folks play a long game. They are willing to come in at the bottom, um, and not to promote this, but I watched a documentary about the Duggar family, and the Duggar family is called Duggar Family Secret. And it, while it's about the secrecy and the abuse uh, committed by one of the brothers, it also goes much deeper to this fundamentalist organization that they follow and believe in. And I think it's IBLN. Uh, it, it's, it's some organization where they raise their children, uh, doing homeschooling, teaching them certain things. They put these kids in, in these little micro militias. They train their boys to uh, basically be a their own militia. The girls are there to basically have babies, and, you know, they're building their own army. And this is how these people get into power. They want to in literally, they use the word infiltrate. So, you know, and, and this is not conspiracy theory. This is all very researchable stuff. Um, this is how they affect change. This is how they get into offices. They start at the ground level and they play the long game. And we've got to be just as smart. And we've got to not get malicious necessarily, but we need to play a long game too. And we need to yes. be willing to start yeah. a, willing to start at the ground level and free infiltrate. You know, they're so afraid of, you know, these educated folks and you know I remember this you know you brought up George W. Bush and I remember the selling point on him was you know he's he's the president you could have a beer with I don't want a president I can have a beer with I want a president that is so so much smarter than me that I don't understand half the shit he's doing because it's so brilliant and and way above my pay grade. I don't need to be. Re I don't need to relate to my government officials. I need them to be smarter than I am. You need them to be smarter than you are, because that is how government should be run with brains, <laughs> not with see, a beer. See, that's 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 because you're somebody who is confident in your own intelligence. And you aren't threatened by people who are smarter than you are, um, but people, but some people are. So I love people that are smarter than me because I get to learn shit from them. Yeah, that's why exactly. you're on the show, John. <laughs> <laughs> I learn shit from you, which is why you're on the show. You know, you gave me. Listen, not for nothing. I'm just average. You know. Average witch, just trying to make a living and, you know, get through without losing my mind with fear over the things I'm seeing. I'm no 
brainiac. Fuck. I mean, I'm the first to admit I don't know anything, much less everything. I'm, I, you know, this is my chance before I die to learn as much as possible because time is fucking short. I'm in my 60s, John, and I know it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, this yep. is the time to suck up all the learning I can before it's too fucking late. I would like to go out with a modicum of intel- intellect and knowledge. So, yeah, this is why I have smart people on, because I don't know things and you need to teach me. And you already have in this hour. This whole thing about stop trying to affect change on such a huge scale that's so much bigger than what I can imagine. Listen, there's so many things at work um, in a political campaign, backers, all these things that have to happen for someone to run for office. Um, you know, how do I know what thing I should try to influence my magic on in such a large arena when there's so many cogs in the in the wheel? Um, I do need to focus on my family and make sure that that's solid and protected from the noise outside. Maybe I won't lose my fucking mind if I do that. Just saying. I, again, we have skills that others do not. So it is, yeah. you know, that something that came through in one of my preparations for rituals of a few years ago was um, you're, you're putting your trust in the wrong things. Now, again, mm. we, need to be engaged, we need to be engaged citizens. But if we right. count on government to save us, we are always going to be disappointed. So true. So, so let's don't put our trust in. Again, be engaged citizens. Let's put our trust in in our gods, in our ancestors, in our magic, in our local communities. These are the things that will save us. Um. Again, I I, I don't want to sound like a libertarian because I'm not, but government will fail you. Government will disappoint you. Um, Your your gods, your ancestors, your magic, your your local community, those people will save you when you need help. Very true. Very true. Well said, John. So, John… I want to move off from this topic because I, I understand that there's a new book out that I need to know about and that everybody needs to know about. What is happening? There is a new book out. It is called The Book of Cernunos. This is a oh. new devotional anthology devoted to Cernunos, the Lord of the Animals, the God of the Hunt, the Lord of the Wild, um, we know so little about him from history. You know, his he um, his name appears only once in in the record. There are no myths about him, and yet he become one of the most popular gods of our era. And you know there are a there are a lot of different devotional anthologies out there. There's there's one for the Morrigan and one for Hecate and one for the Dagda and and, uh, and probably a whole bunch of other deities who I'm overlooking at the moment and and 
you know, Jason Mankey and I have been friends for a long time, and, and we are both mm-hmm. followers of Cornunos. And a few years ago, we just we both got the impression, you know, it's time that Cornunos had his own devotional anthology. So Jason and I edited this anthology. Um, uh-huh. It has some, some of the writing is ours. Uh, Jason wrote Jason wrote more than I did, uh, but it is the work of 32 different people. Um, yeah. Some of the names you will recognize, like uh, you know, Dave the Bard and Eva Dominguez Jr. and Kirk Thomas, um, and some yep. people you probably haven't heard of. Um, and it has um, um, it's divided into five parts. There's a, the first section is on history and theology. You know, we don't know a lot about Cornelius from history, but we know a little bit, um, and we know how he's come to be seen and worshipped in the modern world. And then we have a section on meeting Cornunos, a story, people's stories of how they first encountered him and came to know him and understand him. And then we have a section on experiencing Cornunos, um, people's love and devotion for this, this God. And we have a section on poetry and uh, a section on rituals, so two, two rituals to meet and honor Cornunos. So uh, it's um, as emotional, devotional, Social anthologies are. It's, it's not a long book. It's 189 pages. Um, uh-huh. It um, it's it's published by AD, ADF Publishing, uh, Art Reac Fan, mm-hmm. the Druid Order, um, and it is printed yep. by Amazon Print on Demand. So uh, Amazon is the oh. only place you can get it. Um, uh-huh. We 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 asked, Jason and I are both Llewellyn authors, and we asked Llewellyn to publish it, and they politely turned us down because there's just there's not enough volume in devotional anthologies for, for somebody like Llewellyn to do a big print run. Um, but because we have print-on-demand technology, something like this can, uh, uh, can make its way out into the world. And so um, 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 it's um, off to a very good start. Um, let me find my notes here. Um, as of this morning... Um, as of this morning, it was Amazon's number one in Wicca, number one in paganism, and number three in witchcraft, religion, and spirituality. So it's it's all good. Congratulations! Congratulations! That's really great. How long have how long has it been live to order a copy? Um, since since it it went live late last week, and we just announced it yesterday. That's brilliant. It took, that it it's took us already our announcements together. Wow. It, it, mm-hmm. that's, that's very impressive to be topping the charts basically just out of the gate. So many congratulations. That's, that's really cool. But I want to ask you a question about Krenina. Um When you have a God that's not necessarily, um, when I say well-written about, I mean written about often um, from a historical standpoint. Do you feel that this book at this time was inspired by him wanting his, his name out there more? Or was this really a situation where because sometimes I find that gods make themselves known in interesting yes. ways. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so you believe you do believe that this was him saying, "Hey, how about me now?" <laughs> this this was this was a. I mean, Cornelius has he, he again. He's done very well with with strictly by word of mouth. Um, right. So, uh, but no, I think it was a case of of him speaking to the people who are close to him and have been close to him and say, it's time for my book. Um, wow. Not so, not so much for, to spread his, not so much to spread his, for, for, to spread his popularity because that's happening as it is, but, but as a resource for the people who are, who feel called to him, who are interested in him, who, who feel moved by him. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, there are, I know there's some people in the pagan community who put a huge emphasis on scholarship and history and the stories of our ancestors. And, and, you know, the stories of our ancestors are treasures. And I'm so thankful that we have what we have, even what's been, even what has, what was written down by, you know, later by, by, by Christians um, who, didn't believe anything about what they were writing, but they, it was an important story, so they wrote it down. So I'm, I'm so thankful we have that. But at the same time, um, all those stories had a, had a beginning somewhere, and they began right. with, a, with a God making themselves known to a human and the human having a reaction and the human, having, and the human deciding to write about it. And what our ancestors did then we can do now. We have our right. own experiences of Kernunos. We have our own experiences of Morrigan or of Brigid or of, of Hecate or, or of whoever. And, you know, it's, we, we call that UPG, unverified personal gnosis. And, and if we are wise, we are, we're rather humble about the authority we claim for these things because, you know, there's always a chance you got it wrong. But, you know, if, if I hear something from Kernunos and Jason Mankey hears something very similar and you hear something that's, uh, that, that's along those same lines and all of a sudden we get four or five people who are hearing basically the same things, well, that gives us confidence that what we're hearing is accurate. It's, it, it really is the same God speaking to us and telling us these same things. And so we get to a point where um, where, where we start writing these things down, and and yeah. you, if you read the book of Cornunos, you're you're everybody's story is different, but mm-hmm. you can find the common threads running through the stories to see that we're we're all experiencing the same God in somewhat different ways, and yeah. that's what our ancestors did all those years ago, and we can do it now. Well, I think we're supposed to do it now because, and I know people hate it when I say this, but we are the ancestors of the future. So exactly. we better do something with it while we're here. <laughs> you know, uh, we better like leave some kind of information behind for people to reference. Um, again, it's not that I feel like I have anything unique to say. But if it lends a voice to somebody else who's saying the same thing and that lends its voice to somebody else who's thinking the same thing or hearing the same thing, 
um, it's confirmation that, you know, what we're feeling or hearing is actual and not um, just a group think situation, people who are all together all the time who, you know, start to vibe off of each other in the immediate. It's not like that. It's There are certain gods that seem to call lots of people from all over the place at once. Um, you know, I liken it to during the pandemic where everybody wanted to talk about shadow work. What was the most appropriate time to do it? Because most of us had time to actually do shadow work. Now, I thought I had done some shadow work. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I thought I had been doing the work. I wasn't doing the work until a year and a half ago when my husband almost died. That's when I got mm. deep. That's when my shit got real. Um, listen, I'm very honest with my audience. They know I'm a fuck-up. They know I don't know much. But, and I come clean when I've learned a lesson. Oh, boy. I thought I was That's doing so shadow work. I didn't, I didn't know shit. <laughs> and that's just the truth. I knew nothing about going deep and real. I'm still digging through crap so buried that came up during him almost dying. I'm, I'm still not recovered. I'm, I'm still a mess a lot of the time. And I'm, very, again, very honest about it because, honey, if I'm a mess, I'm not the only mess. I know that for a fact. We've all got something we're digging up and still working on. There is no shame in it. I'm not ashamed. I'm just glad that I still am here to work through it as much as I can, as fast as I can, which doesn't mean fast. It just means I recognize it, I'm accepting it, and I'm, and I'm going through it. And I have, you know, there are days that are harder than others for all of us, and there's no, there's no sin in that either. But, again, going back to... Um, you know, ancestral stuff and, and when God call for your attention, you know, again, like a few years ago, Lilith made a huge resurgence, just talking about this last week. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting how different deities will come up and say, hey, over here, you have forgotten about me over here and, and it's my time to come to the fore for a while. I mean, do they take turns? Are they fighting for attention? Sometimes I wonder because it's so strange to me how it happens in these large pockets. Have you noticed that, John? Oh, goodness, yes. Um, this, I mean, you're, that's what, you know, people ask me, how do you know, how do you know it's a God talking to you and not just your own imagination? And, and one of the things that it's, if it's important enough, you're not going to be the only one. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to sure. be different. It's, it's going to be different people. But I want to go back to something, uh, and I just want to I just want to say how important it is for you and me as public pagans to to be transparent about our own fuck ups. Um, oh yeah, and 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 to make it clear to people that that. You know we're we're working through these things the same as everybody else, and Absolutely. Um, where people get into trouble is when they think that a teacher or a an author or somebody has all the answers. They have all their they have their 
they're they're act together perfectly. Everything is fine with them, right. and, and, and and nobody's life is like that. Um, everybody has to deal with crap. Um, so, you know, some sure. people deal with it better than others, and there are things I have learned from, particularly from um, you know, some of the some of the people I consider elders in the pagan community. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, you know. Um, I I treasure Evo Dominguez Jr. Oh my um, gosh! Yes. He is I I I consider him you know at the top of my list of of, of contemporary pagan elders. Um, mm-hmm. So there's things that we can learn from each from, but but I know Evo would tell you uh, you know he's not he doesn't he doesn't have all the answers. Um, Absolutely, so, he's such a good um, person. He's such a good person, and 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 unfortunately, not everybody in the movement is a good person. So, right. um, you know, anytime somebody tells you they have all the answers, that um, uh, you know, you just need to listen to them. Don't walk away. Run away. Yeah, I'm I'm very leery of people who announce themselves in such a way that. It's almost as though they're telling you to kiss the ring. I don't kiss mm-hmm. the ring for anybody except the people I consider elders. Eva would be one of them. Dorothy Morrison would be another one. I mean, there there are the people that have gone before me that paved the way so that I could have this podcast for the past over 11 years. Um, who have been kind to me when I was first starting and came on to speak with me. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate, really, really, really fortunate to still be doing this uh, over 11 years later. So, I mean, I count those blessings all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm very lucky. Um, and I try to remember my gratitude. Gratitude is such an important part of my life because, I've, I mean, I've come from a place of not having. I've come from a place of being abused. I've come from a place of being abused by a spouse and being on welfare and, and not having anything to my name and wondering where I, how I was going to feed my babies. I mean, I've been through some typical shit just like everybody else. I, I'm I'm lucky I have survived it. I have come out on the other side. I'm I'm older now. I've got a very nice life uh, that I worked really hard for, and you know, it's just another story in all of our stories. You know, I am not fucking special by any stretch of the imagination. I just like to talk, and I got a big mouth. Um, <laughs> but John, I gotta say. You know, I, I'm so glad you finally were able to, like, make time for me. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm so glad you invited me because this, this has been fun. Of course. It has. And, and you're going to be invited again. As a matter of fact, speaking of being invited again, John is going to be speaking at Mystic South. As a reminder, I will be doing my podcast from Mystic South, of course. Mystic South is in July um, in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, and we want to see all of you there, of course. Um, But I'm also doing an early show, a pre-show, on that Thursday, the day before Mystic South actually begins, because 
there's a bunch of folks who are giving classes on Friday morning and Friday afternoon. Typically, my Friday night show is still going to happen, uh, but I also wanted to give folks who are speaking on Friday morning the opportunity to come and hang out and talk about their classes before they actually give them. So I've got a great roster of folks coming up on, on that Thursday, the day before Mystic South, and again, of course, I'll be doing the regular show on Friday. But John, for folks who may not have a chance to come and see you live at Mystic South, um, tell folks again how to get the new book and where they can find you for classes and, and your blog and more wisdom. Okay, so the book of Cardinos is only available through Amazon. It's, uh, it's an Amazon print-on-demand book, so that's where you find it. Uh, as for me, uh, my website is undertheancientoaks.com. That's my teaching site where, uh, where I teach online classes. Um, I've got a weekly, free weekly newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, my Patheos blog is also called Under the Ancient Oaks. If you'll Google John Beckett Patheos, John Beckett Under the Ancient Oaks, um, it'll, take you right to, it'll take you right to both of those locations. You can find me on most social media. I'm most active on Facebook, but uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Don't do much with it. Uh, I will tell you, if you send me a Facebook friend request, also send me a private message telling me who you are and how you know me, just, just enough to, make sh to, to convince me that you're not a scammer or a bot. Um, and um, uh, I will be, will be happy to accept. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm around the Internet and pretty easy to find. John, thank you again so much for coming on and hanging out with me for the last hour. It's been a treat, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks, and uh, we'll set up another date when we're together. How's that? Sounds wonderful. All right. John, thank you again. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Very good. Thanks. Thanks. All right, guys, that's it for tonight. I will be back on Thursday with Daniela Cinema. I'm very, very excited about that. And next Saturday, I will be speaking with Vinny Higginbotham and Martha Capo Kirby. And it's going to be about thrifty witchery on that show. So I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Uh, please support any Juneteenth events going on in your neighborhood. I have one down the street tomorrow that I'm going to. Very excited. Um, love you guys. Talk to you later, Desperados. Night.